Morning. Serious Business is a podcast about Homestuck. There is nothing left to do but hide. Uh, so, Sam. Oh. So, I stopped in with, at work oh, and I saw you today. On. And you said really? you did the reading this last night right before you go to stuff. bed. And then you had weird Homestuck dreams. So, I do gotta ask. What were those weird Homestuck dreams? It was not as interesting as it may sound, like, severely so. Honestly, it was more about people were asking me about Homestuck than actual stuff happening from Homestuck. By the end of it, it had fully devolved into actually being more about Twilight than anything else. (laughs) Like, it was was a nonsense dream that left me disoriented when I woke up which in fairness is kind of the vibe of Homestuck it was literally the the thing I remember the most was being surrounded by people who were like wait you read Homestuck (laughs) tell us everything and me being like oh I I don't know about that I'm not the one for that job Actually, I have this podcast you can listen to. Uh, Hello, and welcome to Serious Business, a Homestuck book club. It's been a while since I said that. Uh, My name is Sam. My pronouns are he and him. And uh, on a scale of the beta kids, I would react to my parents' death probably somewhere between uh, Dave and John. Maybe closer to Dave, though. Fair enough. Uh, hello, my name is Samariel. You can call me Sam. You can call me Ari. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And uh, on a scale of the the kids, I would probably fall somewhere between uh, Rose and Jade because much like Rose, if someone tried to hurt my uh, parents, uh, I also would swear unholy vengeance. But much like Jade, uh, my guardians are unkillable because we are all vampires. So. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Bastion, my pronouns are he and they, and I would say, uh, when it comes to dealing with loss, uh, I would put myself somewhere in between John and Jade. Probably the most reasonable response, let's be honest. There's a loss.jpg joke to be made here, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's hard to do in an audio format. <laughs> Indeed. When it comes to reacting to loss.jpg, I'm much closer to Dave. I, 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 L. This week, we read pages 36, 59 through 37, 62 of Homestuck. Sure Guys, did. Guys, we're like so close to the end. Are Welcome we? to, I mean, of this of this section, not of Homestuck. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the end it's of our sprint. October. The weather has gotten cooler, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> In the future October that we do not yet yeah. know. <laughs> and the, as someone who's been daydreaming of October for the last like two months, it's been. I hope it's uh, everything I dreamed it to be. I hope it will be every. I hope it is. It's October now. It's October now. Uh, Ari, do you have any first impressions on this section? How's how how are we feeling after this? Um, I mean, the feelings are mixed and very muddled which i feel like is probably part of the point just because you know you spend a whole game playing a daughter in the throes of grief wandering through bloody bodies 
which I, I, I there's a specific point I want to make about that when we get there but like that there's a lot of of that classic homestuck juxtaposition of grief trauma pain and then like uh goofy bits and jokes and ha ha ooh funny bits and it's like all right sure this seems like you're working through something cuz it was really fun to see like all the fun stuff with like John and you know his whole situation but then once John mm-hmm. and like Rose's situation met it became like oh interesting um, yeah, there's there's a very tonal dissonance yeah. there. We got to learn a bunch more about like Terezi and and her sort of ancestry, which was super cool. I'm a big sucker for Terezi, um, being something of a Libra myself. Um, so just just something of a Libra, not actually. <laughs> listen i'm a libra sun but i'm a cancer moon and a cancer rising so like mm, anyways but yeah i this was a very interesting section uh the whole shit with the disc i feel like that's gonna be i don't know if it's gonna be a long something but it felt significant enough that i was like hold on um it's been a while since I've had to do a take out disc one put in disc two because we are living in the era of digital media um, where you don't really have to do that anymore. Yeah, and we don't own it anymore. It Which sucks. is the big problem. <laughs> Warner Brothers. Um, but uh... <laughs> We're recording this on uh, <laughs> August 24th yeah. for those listening. So the big shit with all the HBO Max removing so many very, very good shows is very fresh. A lot of wounds yeah. are very raw. Um, Infinity Train not getting renewed for season five got me mad, and then they went and did this shit, and it sucks. <sighs> so you know, pirate your media, pirate babes. your media, babes. Uh, physical media, physical media, physical media, yes. physical media. Anyways, um, but no, this was an interesting That's section. That's why I bought it's the sh- Homestuck books. Oh wait, <laughs> those are done now. Oh, we hit the end of the Homestuck yeah. books this section, you guys. Well, yeah, we hit we hit uh, year two of Homestuck. Yeah. Which was... No, we hit the end of year two. Of okay, Homestuck. you know what I mean. The significant milestone yeah. two of year anniversary. Oh, yeah. yeah, the two-year anniversary yeah. of Homestuck, which is like, oh, that was cool. Um, no. You know, it's an interesting but surreal section that we kind of dealt with, especially mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah. First impressions. Let's dive in. We start off in this section... Deep in the battlefield, in the core of the battlefield, John finds the tumor. It looks kind of like a spiky virus, and it's got the little window, like a uh, yeah. like a magic eight ball in it. And uh, inside that window is a calendar, or a calendar, is a countdown at 10 hours and 25 minutes. I feel like it's significant to mention that it's got a yin yang pattern. Oh yeah, it. it's got a yin yang vibe to it. I Which was getting it. Um, um, it's interesting that you bring up the eight ball window because it is a, a direct mix of the two. Uh, oh, of the eight ball and balls. the cue ball. It's, a, it's the eight ball and the cue oh, ball. Oh yeah. Which have been uh, <laughs> the significant really... balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Almost yeah. No. Very yep. Significant balls. <laughs> Homestuck's two very important balls. (laughs) Oh no, I said what I meant, and I meant what I said. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, all right. Um, the countdown here is at. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You really, you really threw me. <laughs> uh, the countdown here is at uh, ten hours and twenty-five minutes. Who could have guessed? Um, technically, this is a separate timeline from the trolls' ten-hour and twenty-five-minute countdown. But if I had to guess things, I would guess that the zero hour is coming at the same time. Storytelling-wise. I wonder Circumstantial if we'll synchronicity, a baby. principle that will explain that shortly. Do we get that here? Uh, not in this section, but I think that's next section. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I, I think don't it is. Understand. No, it is. It is because it's the um, the flash that never happened. Yep. We'll talk about the flash that never happened next time. All right. Uh, and then John leaves the leaves the core. Oh wait, in the core there's also the tumor. he capsulogs the tumor in the wallet because the wallet is a magical adult item True. that lets you carry anything. Um, also on the walls here, it seems like there are hints for the quest beds in the cores of the Prospid and Durse. Oh. Um, on the one side, there's a breath and a space symbol. Is this where we get the symbol for space for the first time? I think time? so. Yeah, because we get um, breath and space symbol and then the light and time symbol. The time symbol on the other side. I didn't think it was giving us hints about where the beds were, but, you know, sure. I don't know. It's just an interesting. This is a detail that doesn't come to much. I don't really know, but it's here. And we get the space symbol, so it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, it's like a funky spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's got eight spirals on it. Mm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's eight. And then John flies out of the out of the core and back to the to the surface. Um, and while I like on this on these pages where we get like to see the whole battlefield with like the void, like the the big tunnel to the core in it, mm-hmm. I'm really just thinking like it looks like a pocket in a queue, like in a like a pool table pocket. And I don't know that that's relevant. Other than it's good to keep track of the pool imagery in Homestuck. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, I can see it. Um, also notable in this sequence is that uh, John coming out of the the big pocket uh, is the same sort of imagery that we saw in the last section for Rose flying up. Yeah, it's the hmm. the stock blast off uh, animation. Blast off, very like um, foreshortened head where it's. Yeah, the the body sort of trailing behind, looking up into the camera, big dramatic moves. It's a good animation. And then we get fun times with the with the big group. Yeah, we, we get John and a squad hanging out on the battlefield. So it's it's John, WV, Clubs Deuce, and Liv Tyler, the funky robot bunny. Yep. Yeah. All the weapons from Liv Tyler blew away in the breeze tragic hey remember remember the breeze is a narrative force it means these things will show up again when they're needed exactly and then the hammer shows up <laughs> uh, it's a tiny little hammer. tiny little hammer it probably makes a cute squeaking sound uh, yes i was definitely picturing like a dog toy squeaky noise For but sure. it's fine because uh, Liv tyler's got a special eye that makes it big yeah and we find out about that in, in a another note from jade's pen pal in case you forgot this guy exists Yep. Does someone want to read it? I don't. Uh, I can if you want me to. Go for it. Just the whole thing, or? Yeah. Yeah. 
John, one, it's very Columbo at the beginning. John, <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> That's the only Columbo thing, but it's a significant Columbo thing. <clears throat> this rabbit, I'm sure you've noticed, is armed to the stitches. He's got all four of the funny little weapons I mentioned that are all deadly as the fucking Dickens, but that doesn't mean that they're exclusively for the paws of Mr. Terry Kisser. That's the name I call him. Heck no. You see, I adapted Terry with some doodads you may deem practical. An infinitesimalator, which I used to littleify them down in the first place, as well as a monstrosifier for when you would like to hugen them up and wield them yourself. He's surely got enough juice in him to make them enormous if you wish, but that's silly. What would you even do with, say, a magic needle the size of a skyscraper, for instance? Preposterous. I borrowed this technology from my grandmother, who had quite the way with manipulating space. Legend tells she was something of a witch with this stuff. Once she was a brave hero like you and I, John, and the stars themselves twinkled in her cauldron. I would like to tell you who my grandmother is. I really would. But I can't. I think I have trouble keeping secrets. I like to be honest, just like you, and have a lot of secrecy after a while gets me feeling a bit jaded. Hehe. <laughs> Green means grow, red means shrink. See you soon, pal. Jay. <laughs> Again, Sorry. the Columbo. The Columbo in it makes me read it the way I do. When no, we meet this character, you have to use that voice no matter what. Okay? okay? This character is Columbo from now on. I don't care who they are. Just one more thing. <laughs> um, one thing that's worth noting while we have the author's commentary with us still, the disdain Hussey has for this character in the author's commentary is on par with only one character previous. Interesting. Tavros. Really? We haven't even met this character we yet, and we're not. already getting Tavros and them equated by the author. That's really weird, because it seems like he's have like, th this... This character seems like a lot of fun. Like, it, there's, a, there's a lot of charisma here in the narrative that is usually reserved for the characters that Hussey actually cares about. I don't, yeah. I don't know. That's how it feels That's to me, at least. I mean, it just... Sure. Like, there's... It's fun. You read this and you have fun. Usually when you read characters Hussey doesn't fucking like, you feel that. You feel the disdain. The, the first time this character popped up, it was, like, all super excited immediately after Jade had died, though. Yes. Like, that, that is a, a real tonal whiplash. That, that is a real there. tonal whiplash, but that's sort of Hussey's bread and butter. Like, that's... For sure. I don't know. All right, cool. All right, interesting. Yeah, so this... um, How do I not spoil things? <laughs> uh, this, this character is Jade's grandson? Yes. Grandfather? Grandson. Seems... Poor K. Nolos Dos. Well, we... We um, do know that it is Jade's grandson. She has mentioned this oh, before. Oh, okay. She she was like, "Oh yeah, it's my grandson." Don't tell anybody though. It's like, "Okay." Yeah, I don't know. From from the way that he talks though, he he does have some things in common with Jade's oh, for sure. grandpa. Um I I do want to say uh the what would you do with a needle the size of a skyscraper? As, Space uh, needle. You know, clearly, well, it's clearly a narrative reference to a giant disc that's going to need to get scratched. Uh. Um and the uh terry kisser what uh this character calls, calls the bunny, the bunny yeah. is the name of the actor who played bernie and weekend at bernie's oh. which then goes to tie this character more to grandpa harley because of the taxidermied body mm. um, additionally the terry kisser is funny because of the john 
if she was raised a girl bunny, it's not okay for me to call her a boy now. And it's it's the um, Homestuck character gets a pet, changes the name mm-hmm. gag. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Liv Tyler, Terry Kisser, Hugens the Hammer, and uh, it's John-sized now. And then we all behold the glory of the Warhammer of Zillihu in page 3679. S. All. Behold glory of Zillihu. It's the fucking Halo theme. I. But with I John know, it's, singing it's just, a Gregorian well, chant. John singing. Yeah, this is John's Warhammer canonical singing voice. Which is, it's, don't get me wrong, this flash is delightful, and I enjoy it very much, but, like, it started going, and I was like, is this fucking Halo? (laughs) Is this a fucking (laughs) Halo song? This is the fucking Halo song. Okay, well, yep, and then it just kept going, and I was, it's, it's very good. I do really enjoy, John usually is a breath of fresh air in an otherwise serious narrative. <laughs> Shit, I just walked fully into that one, didn't I? You did, and it was wow. very good. Wow, I did that, huh? All right. Anyways, but usually he is more of a comic relief kind of character with, like, you know, the put the bunny back in the butt, like, reunite with your daughter, like, that whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's a funny, goofy guy. So here's a funny, goofy guy moment of him, like, singing this epic song about his epic fucking hammer. And it's like, all right, hell yeah, let's do this. Uh, the song on this page is uh, called Warhammer of Zillihu from Homestuck Volume 7. It was by Michael Guy Bowman. And then there's just a little, and little that's snippet pretty much in there, all there is to uh, say. Uh, Gamzy holding the hammer, that's fine, right? Yeah, that's fine. This is probably fine. What could Arcats possibly go wrong? Crying tears of joy, yeah. We see Gamzy has the hammer later in the section as well. So, uh, so yeah, not foreboding at all. Yeah, they they behold the glory of Zillihu. Uh, and then a good chunk of this is in like that sort of scribble art style yeah. too. Yeah, no, it, it's all in the scribble style, which is very delightful. It's all in the scribble it, style. It drives home that like the stained glass window background art, uh, which right. is just like a low quality uh, JPEG rip. Um, have Have we described the Warhammer of Zillihu? Should we describe how that looks? I don't think we have described the Warhammer of Zillihu. It is... It looks like a child's toy. It's a child's toy. It's a clown hammer, but big. Like, it's... It's all, like, colorful stripes up on the hammer, or on the handle, and on the arm. And then, like, it's got this, like... The the head of it is this blue... It does look like you asked, like, a a two-year-old to color in a picture of a hammer. Yes. The, the head of it is blue, and then sort of the, the, the curve of it is made to sort of look like a comet. And then the head of the comet's trail is rainbow, and the head of it is a big old smiley face, which is where the flash ends, zoomed in on the smiley face. And there's a big old Z on it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I That's will say to, to, to John being a breath of fresh air, um, it's because... John has remained in like a heroic fantasy genre uh, while the rest of the story has uh, left that behind, right? John is like out on the battlefield having an adventure, meeting weird and interesting people, like doing friend leadership. And like the rest of the story is like, we're being fucking chased through a meteor by a fucking murder clown. And like, (laughs) 
half of our friends have started murdering each other and uh, Rose has fucking grim darkness now. Which there's some, there's, uh, I, I can't point to a specific thing because I don't know enough about it, but the, the, the convergence of discussing Grimdark as a whole and referencing Warhammer, like it, it feels like there's got to be a Warhammer 40k something here somewhere. I don't know exactly because I don't know enough about Warhammer 40k, but Warhammer 40k is like the classic Grimdark brutal universe like space odyssey shit i i i don't know enough about its lore unfortunately to make any sapient comment but like it's just like that feels I mean, like there's got to be something there hussy especially makes a bit about being like oh i'm so glad grimdark is a real word that we can discuss mm -hmm. and it's like all right uh -huh. i i feel like warhammer 40k is more of a trolls thing uh with like the like immortal ruler at the space conquering and whatnot mm -hmm. um i i don't know where it is specifically but there's enough of it i can smell its presence somewhere <laughs> i don't know where it's coming from it's behind you oh, oh shit blood for the blood god anyways uh skulls for the skull throne so then in case you forgot, WV likes eating green things. Mm -hmm. uh, WV eats the green thing. In this case, being the eye that makes things big. Mm -hmm. And uh, then Club's Deuce auspicizes, and uh, it's good. We get John going hero mode a bit, which is delightful. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler now looks like a uh, robo pirate bunny uh, with the eye patch. The eye Very patch classy. is good. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. John sends them all off to deliver the tumor to Rose uh, and um, just gives on a quest. The, the whole ass wallet and is like, uh, mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, be careful, dude. Um, and uh, leaves all of Best his computer. Luck. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, he his computer is left in the wallet with everything, so he's fully just cut off. Yep. And then Jade messages him and is like, Hey, uh, oh no, I, you don't know your parents, your dad's dead, huh? Mm -hmm. It's, which is, and like, you get it, especially alongside like an especially goofy designed looking John, where it's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, John, I'm so sorry. Like all this shit. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it's again, that, that classic juxtaposition of like the, very wonderful great things are happening and it's john your parents are dead mm -hmm. and you, you your your dad is fucking dead and rose is about to go do something yeah, terrible Jade's and i'm really worried, worried. yeah so it's um hey. Hey. one note here also is that uh we should be tracking the path of the wallet because we know it ends up with beck noir because it was with lil cal when the aradia found the wrecked aradia bot and oh. cow puppet and at that point it had a blood stain on it mm. so well, all right item to follow what could possibly go wrong we say as john heads into the void out and vriska messages rose because vriska knows john does not have his computer and so messages rose hoping that john will see it when he meets up with her remember when john was like hey i want to have another conversation with you friska's like hey this is me 
checking in saying, I want to have that conversation with you. It's, it's right. It's a very interesting point uh, or knowing John doesn't have his computer. Mm. Um, and if say something were to happen to one of them before they could have the actual conversation, that would be really sad. Boy, I hope nothing sure. happens to John. Oh man, look at all my blorbos and their situations. I hope nothing happens. I wonder what happens in this flash page. The whole point is to put blorbos into situations. That's storytelling, baby. I know, I know. I know. Yes, but when it goes bad, then I feel bad. Yes, that's the Then point. my blorbos are in situations. All right, let me find. I do have I have a Wortman note I want to look at here. Oh, here it is. Sorry. It's unclear why Vriska is even bothering to send a missive, knowing John won't receive it. But to make an innocent observation that in no way foreshadows any future events, it would certainly be tragic if this were Vriska's last chance to talk to John. Sure. Um, and then we get page 3695, S. Seer, Descend. It is the final Alternia Bound Flash in which we play as Grimdark Rose. Uh, the song is Black Rose, Green Sun. It is the first track on Homestuck Volume 7 and is by Malcolm Brown. And it fucking kicks ass. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. It's got that, like, spooky gothic, like, music box beginning. And then it takes, not like a hard turn, but then it, like, it the, the beat drops, essentially. And it becomes, like, a harder song. And it, it's Oh, I love it. It's good. It's good. It's got that like angsty, gothic, spooky vibe. I don't, it's 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 good. Yeah. Sam was saying the other day that this is the music that we were thinking about when we were talking smack about the early music in Homestuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Fair like enough. we were wrong, but also this is also this very music good. rips. This rips. It's very good. I like it a lot. Um, this flash does start, though, uh, not like an alternate-bound flash. It starts like a like an animated flash, where you're like, oh, okay, we're going to watch something happen. And then as Rose descends to the castle, uh, suddenly you're in control, sort of. Yeah, you see, like, the... As in control. Never. Yeah. You see, like, you just get these, like, close-up shots of, like, bloody arms as black rain starts to fall and the black mingles with the blood and it's it's the most like dramatic shit i and when as rose descends you see this like v- massive like fucking huge cloud that like is sort of v-shaped that comes to the point that is rose as she descends in this like dark tendrils but like it's it's the most like edgy spooky like creepy like it's so it's very like yes this is exactly where i thought this story was gonna go this is exactly what i would expect from the fucking tentacle therapist like her mm-hmm. whole angsty goth arc like yes yes this is correct and, this is exactly and what this I tentacle expect. bitch needs a therapist oh boy does she yeah uh, i think Wortman has a note um like it goes into like the like squiddle skull on her shirt is like glowing almost yeah and then like it cuts to her descending down 
with the squiddle skull in the background and just like leaving this like inky line down. And Wortman has a note that the shot of Rose descending over the skull-like visage of her squid symbol, suggesting her fracturing psyche. Uh, the colors of the sequence, white, black, gray, pink, are limited to Rose's own palette, suggesting that her powers, perhaps unconsciously, are painting her emotions on the world around her. Like, is dramatic, and it yeah. speaks to sort of Rose's internal uh, conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Rose lands on the tower where mom and dad are, and because we're controlling her, we don't get to see her react to finding these yeah. gruesome you can't, this gruesome scene. You can't interact with you the bodies at you all. You can't interact with the bodies at all. All it does is say, like, is Jack is further choice. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her focus isn't even on, like, the bodies that she found. And as you, like, because you go in, once you once you do, you pass by so many corpses of, like, Dursites and Prospens, and you can't interact with any of them. Mm-hmm. Hussey has a, has a comment here saying, this game involves a lot more walking than usual. Hey, castles are big. Now it's let's get ready to enjoy Rose's fight with Sans Undertale. Because there are the big golden columns all along this. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's as you pass through that. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> deeper into the castle, uh, you can find four banners, uh, each with one of the god tier symbols on it. They are titled They Wait. Uh, and the. It's four in a row, so it's the two Prospect kids and then the two Durst kids with Dave's at the end. Yeah. It's the same um, four symbols that we saw, like in the in the yep. tumor on their yep. shirts, all it's, that jazz. Yeah, they wait for he who would extinguish candles whilst fanning a fire. They wait for she who would thaw solid flesh and resolve it into a dew. They wait for she who would breed lilacs out of the dead land. They wait for he who would drop it like it's hot whilst the pimp's in the crib. <laughs> um, and then later, once you return to this version after Jack has passed through, Jack has slashed all of the curtains in half except for Jade's. Mm. Oh, yeah, because um, he's a good boy. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't know. Uh, did you investigate the bookshelves at all? Uh, I investigated the bookshelves. Oh, yeah. You, 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 there's all sorts of like different ones that are like various things. There's you know ones yeah. about like how to raise frogs and whatnot. Uh, there at one point there's um, the, the the grimoire for the zoologically dubious. That's there. That's mm-hmm. like oh this one's on loan from Pros or from from Durst. Or, da, 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 da. Yeah. And then after a while it's like okay you've read enough, go, keep yeah. keep going. <laughs> it's like all right fucking fine. And once you, because there's like a, a secret compartment and whatnot, and when you come through on your way out from there, it's like, there's no point in reading. Stop, stop, stop reading. Yeah. I do, I do really like um, the Foot Soldier's Guide to Combat, mm, which mm-hmm. talks about how all of them involve moving directly forwards or attacking diagonally, mm-hmm. because most of the chess pieces are pawns and would need that. Yep. Um, you have Problem Sooth, which is a Problem Sleuth reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one, the very first one, I'm going to read verbatim, which is, um, because there is hella foreshadowing in this flash. Uh, you find an ancient unlabeled tome and read an excerpt. Though we adore him, we shall never enjoy his beauteous croak. 
We spill our blood on acres of black and white so they may cross the yellow yard. At last, in Skaya's reflection, through broken glass, he may find the pond in which he's meant to squat. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, talking about frog god. Frog god. Presumably. Also, the yellow yard, which uh, Hussey said at the very end of last section would be the only uh, time that they directly interact with the story. Mm, all right. And there's something here about broken glass. Um, that's a, but yeah, that's an about old the callback. That goes all the way back to yeah, Act 1. Yeah, way back. Act 1. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. Yep, there's Black Queen Smut. Uh, there is, in fact, Black Queen, Queen Smut. Smut. Or is it, it's White Queen Smut, isn't it? It doesn't actually specify. Oh. Queen Smut says, of a nature. There is a From, like, a first-person perspective. In the first person. Yeah. This doesn't go anywhere. There's the one that's um, the Prospitin like horror story or like campfire Rising. scary campfire tale, Rise of the Slayer, and then it goes on to be like, all scary stories on Prospit are told from things that they've seen in the clouds, which means they are all things that do come true. Yeah. <laughs> which is like not the point. They like to use the word fiction so that kids don't get too scared. Um, and there Speaking is. <laughs> Uh, no oh. response to trickster mode in this flash. Mm, okay. There is no trickster mode whatsoever, um, which is actually very interesting um, because Grim Darkness is sort of an anti-trickster mode. Mm. Sure. And we will talk about that much, much later. Okay. But we're already kind of like in an altered state. So it makes oh, a bit very of much. that like... It's interesting. Yeah, sorry. You go. You say your thing first. Well, it's, it, it's just it makes sense that to alter it so dramatically in sort of the other direction would not fit with the tone of the flash. Mm-hmm. Right, because trickster modes this like candy, like honestly, like Warhammer of Zillyhoo's style. Like, yeah, it's very. It's usually very looking, goofy, very yeah. funny. Was there a trickster mode for the for the game where you're like Nepeta going through the? Um, that's a good question. So. Let me check. Yeah, so the the trickster mode, trying to access trickster mode in Equius Seek the High Blood, just gives a text box which says, uh, "Nope, fuck, I don't care." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so like Hussy, who loves doing that juxtaposition, even now, it, it, like, this despite that, is going like no you need to pay attention to this. Like, this is, as much as anything can be in Homestuck, this is serious. This this doesn't get a joke. I mean, there's, as we, like, go on about this, like, there are jokes in it, and, you know, we there is that weird juxtaposition, but the highlight is more on the dissonance rather than the, like, mm-hmm. ah, goof-goof murder. Like, it's... The jokes serve to build the dread, not... The dread yeah. to yeah. The there are three chests in this first room, and each of them has bro's shades, mom's scarf, and dad's hat, and they're all labeled just or dad's shoes, sorry, and they're all labeled just a trophy. Which like I sort of like read all of like Rose's non responses to the stimulation around her as just sort of like a she is dead set on one thing right now, and that yeah. is finding Jack and getting revenge. That's definitely the vibe I got. Yeah, she's like dissociating to a degree where it's like Mm -hmm. everything that is not part of that mission just kind of doesn't exist. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you find a secret passage in a bookshelf. Turns out in there, there's a whole bunch of chess guys hiding. They have a chest with uh, WV's flag in it, and they're telling legends of the villain who will come to save them. Mm-hmm. They're very cute. It's very lovely. It, it's it's a little heartbreaking because like you can kind of tell that Rose doesn't give a shit. Like she'll you could talk to them, but it doesn't matter. Well, and none of them actually talk. You don't have conversations like you have in the other flashes. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. they just have the little ellipses that sort of indicate silence, and then there's a like summary of what they're doing, which is another way that Rose is sort of being removed from like direct interaction with anything that isn't what she's doing Mm -hmm. uh then you come out of the secret hideout uh and there's some bloody footprints sure are you follow them long enough or do you hit the curtains first no you follow them you follow them and as you get to the top of the stairs you see jack zap Zap away away, somewhere wait um if you follow and then you enter the curtain um you see where the puddle of blood is. It's from a one of the chess abominations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you get actually some of the more emotional text in the game, which is you have never seen anything so sad in your entire life. A beautiful, muscular man stallion struck down in his prime. What monster could be responsible for this deed? Hint, it was Jack <laughs> Noir. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's the juxtaposition, right? Yeah. Like, Yes. Now the narrator can get upset over the horse thing because this is this is Hussy after all, and yes. we will. Hussy cares about horses. Hussy cares about horses. We will take every opportunity to make the dumb horse joke, no matter how dissonant. Oh yeah. But uh, well, and maybe there is something there of Rose too, of like finding a place to put that where it doesn't hurt as bad. And like letting a piece of that out. But yes, then you get to the curtains. Yes. Which at first I thought was a reference to the Red Room from Twin Peaks. I don't know if either of you have seen Twin Peaks. It's on my list. I have not That's yet. That's fine. Twin Peaks is bonkers and bizarre and surreal in so many ways. But um, there's this sort of dreamland universe subconscious country that is known as the red room which is Mm -hmm. it's it's this like black and white diagonal flooring with red curtains and it's it's where all of the weirdest shit happens it's where you meet the dwarf there's a brain tree that's where uh, agent cooper meets laura palmer it's this like sort of world between worlds where like Cooper as a person who is a little more in tune with the surrealness of the universe finds half answers that help him to find the wholer answers in the real world, which is already more logic than the actual show gives you. But that is sort of the the vibe of it. But we, and there are there are a couple of sequences where like Cooper would walk through a red curtain and there would be another red curtain and then he would walk through that curtain and there would be another red curtain and then eventually he would find like you know the dwarf who talks backwards and all that weird shit um so at first i thought it was like a reference to the red room 
but then there were like curtains of other colors and i started thinking about like the the act transitions instead because we've mm -hmm. we've gotten all those different yeah. colored like curtains and whatnot i didn't count them but there's four red curtains and then a blue curtain and then another red curtain yeah which which are the act curtains the four acts one through four act five act one mm -hmm. and then where we are now gotcha but and then I'm not I'm not letting go of the Twin Peaks thing. At the very sure. least, it is it evokes a similar feeling of sort of that surrealist disorientation of, you know, behind a curtain should be something, and instead you find more curtains. There's only more questions, there's only more confusion yeah. as you go deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. So and uh, past that blue and red curtain, you come to a giant disc. Looks like the Beat Mesa. Wow. Like one that, like one that's gonna get scratched. Wow. And then following that, you transportalize to a new room, and there are five green curtains that are all open, and a sixth green curtain which is not open. Following which. You end up on a platform that looks a lot like Skya and has a golden frog statue on it. Oh, and also John. <laughs> yeah. And, also and this is when the tonal dissonance this hits. This is when the tonal dissonance super hits. Um, but actually, yeah, this this is the this is the story telling you, hey, here's the narrative structure for the rest of the story. <laughs> here's what we plan on doing from here on out. Yeah. This is your um like this is your eight, your eight pixel view of Homestuck, right? Like you've got your like super yeah. condensed portrait of Homestuck. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so Rose and John meet up. They cannot communicate. Once again, you have people who are in person and cannot communicate because there is a barrier between them. And in this case, it is Rose's grim darkness, which only allows her to speak in the broodfester tongues of the uh, oldest gods of the furthest ring. Hogs of the Sorry. If you walk past this uh, platform and continue, uh, there's a golden room with a statue of the uh, white king and white queen in it. And um, if you continue, try to continue on past that, the game says, oh, this is where John came from. You don't have to go back. But once again, like, John is cheerfully unaware that their parents are dead and Rose knows and can't tell him. Yeah, because John is actually like, oh, have you seen our parents? Like, oh, we got to go find them. Yeah. It's very oof. Uh, and then under the golden frog statue, there's a transportalizer. So you don't have to walk back through all the curtains. Uh, you do have to walk back through everything else, though. Yeah, and you get to see the like fresh destruction that has been sown. Mm -hmm. Like but that room is... of survivors that you just found—they're all dead now. Uh huh. This is the closest Homestuck gets, I think, to like a true like walking simulator, where just mm. like mm. every bit of it is increasing the tension as you walk John towards like an inevitable trauma. Yeah. And there's a couple times I think where like John starts to like say stuff like and every time his sprite is like the peppiest, happiest, smiliest motherfucker, 
when you are walking past actual corpses with blood streaked around everywhere and and this was where i started to just be like i this can't like this is i don't know how much of a front john is pushing with this but like you i know he's not heartless and so i it's it, it yeah it but also john so... did believe his dad was a was like a, a traveling jokester and not a serious businessman like john is a very oblivious character yeah but i, I mean, mean but it, yeah there are literal having, dead bloody bodies around it, it reminded me of because like uh overly sarcastic productions did a trope talk video about um the true of heart character mm. and one of the things that they like said was like the true of heart does not necessarily mean good it does not necessarily mean like moral it just means committed to an ideal and and this sort of like has some of that to me where like the the narrative is sort of committing john to the ideal for him i don't know if this is necessarily him i don't know if his psyche is like trying to protect him of like ah nope i don't see the dead bodies i just need to find my dad well like is or if it, it's like seemingly the narrative is like John cannot see the destruction until he acknowledges that things are wrong. And mm -hmm. he can only see that things are wrong until he beholds the body of his dead dad. Because right. he's just so... And so it's... I don't know. It's... I, I think it's maybe... Uh, well, I think it could be two things, really. I think it's um, a little bit like John has like the big... Uh, puppy dog eyes um, right before just to like twist the knife of what's about to happen um, but I think also like mm -hmm. this is John as foil to Rose right and so like mm -hmm. neither of them can acknowledge what's happened in the castle but like outside of how it relates to their relationship with their parents because it's not relevant um, mm -hmm. but also like John specifically can't acknowledge it because here John is in the role of like innocence to Rose's corruption. Yeah. yeah. We get to the point where they're on their way up the staircase and John brings out the fucking shipping chart again. Oh yeah. <laughs> again. John brings up John, the fucking shipping chart. Stop. Like it, and it, it's it's shit like that where it's and like it could be and it could be the like awkwardness of like hey, we're walking in silence. We are friends who are meeting for the first time and we've known each other. And then he goes, "Hey, we should get married." <laughs> like <laughs> there are actual corpses and blood smeared all over the place. And John's Not to mention jokes that's a lesbian. Yeah. And John's cracking jokes about, like, this fucking shipping chart. Like, it's so... Like, John... At, at this point, I'm not sure... I mean, this could be a question of agency. Of if it's John refusing to acknowledge what it is around him for his own sake. Or if it is specifically yeah. the narrative that is keeping him in that bubble until he is forced to acknowledge that shit's gone yeah. wrong and everything's bad. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. There's, there isn't like an easy solution to this, but it's just that is sort of well, the struggle I mean, that this it is. I, I would make an argument for the narrative in that like we're still seeing the two different genres here, right? John is still in right. heroic fantasy genre where 
that collateral damage is expected. It's acceptable. Like, you talk Which about love on the battlefield because it's on the battlefield, right? Mm. Yeah. Hussey does have a note here on the communication gap between the two. Mm. Which is to say, uh, the grimdark gag serves two purposes here. First, it's just another way to milk the agonizing sense of dramatic irony this game emanates. Rose can't tell John their parents are dead, so she has no choice but to lead him to the bodies while he cheerfully babbles on as if nothing's wrong. It also delays the more friendly conversation they'd have if she were normal, which would result in a lot of standard banter that wouldn't be hitting the right note for this scene. Yeah. It's interesting. Just to to poke one more thing about, like, Bastion's thought of Mm -hmm. just, like... Because, like, that the hero narrative, the fact that it, it has to take a personal loss before John can acknowledge anything is wrong, that everyone else's death doesn't matter. Like, the, the, the selfishness in that, I get. I mean, obviously, like, oh, you know, the fantasy narratives, all that, there's always going to be. But, like, there is some selfishness in that, that it takes, it takes that close of a hit before John can acknowledge the humanity in these other people around him. Mm-hmm. Like there's, and I don't know if that's a critique specifically about John or about the fantasy genre in general, but the, the idea of like, Oh yeah, no people are going to die, but Oh, now I have to deal with a death. Now, now that's different. Yeah. The lack yeah. of empathy. I mean, I think, you know, there is a criticism there to be made of the fantasy genre, but I think it's also, like, largely true to life, generally. Like, you can't take every, like, there is no such thing as acceptable casualties, but, like, that's a belief that you hold vaguely, because if you felt every loss as though it were your father, like, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to function, especially in this world. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's a castle full of corpses. You'd think he'd feel something, but mm-hmm. I digress. Yeah. Once you reach the top of these stairs, the game ends, uh, and you click the arrow to the next page, uh, which is not titled. It just has the arrow, and it's a flash animation, which I'm surprised that it's not just like a closing flash animation to this game the way that like the Gamzee Equius stuff was mm. um, like, I, I feel like it has to be some sort of technical limitation for the page or the file size or something. Mm-hmm. But the song on this page is at the price of oblivion, which is the title track off of Homestuck volume seven by Malcolm Brown. And it references Corral for Jaspers by Michael Guy Bowman mm. and Aggrieve, which is Rose's battle song uh, by Mark Hadley. With the flash, John and Rose stand in front of Jack, who is, you know, standing standing before them. John sees the dead bodies of their parents. They both grab their weapons. There's a couple of very... The, the art here is lovely. Very dramatic shots. Uh, and, like, especially there's, like, a, a specific shot of John, like, looking to the ground and having this this more grave expression come to his face. And then they they they're both sort of in that hero mode, and they rally their weapons, and it's like round one, fight, and then immediately John is stabbed. John is immediately stabbed through the back. Mm-hmm. The the music goes silent, mm-hmm. um, 
and then as it fades back in rose gets very mad uh and we see that roulette wheel and a green sun explosion as rose blows up the castle and that's where uh the flash ends Huzzy here notes something about how they didn't want to make a cool battle scene and so they cheated right well and they specifically say it's better for not having a cool battle scene sure i think i only agree with that because i know how we see this battle Uh uh-huh i think there is a point actually that they make there that's pretty good which is that like homestuck is not about the epic battles right like no the even all of the strifes that we have gotten are jokes all of the action happens really in the static panels and even then it's much shorter than the like narrative conversational mm-hmm. emotional thrust of homestead yep speaking of which speaking of which let's process some trauma or my boy look how they slaughtered my boy my bro guys as i kept reading the scene i kept going oh guys oh no oh no because the fact that this scene for dave happens right before terezi's like hey kill yourself maybe Mm -hmm. uh is just another nail in the coffin blorbos have to be in circumstances to grow and uh, here we have Dave in mourning uh, at his dad's corpse. His bro's corpse. His bro's corpse. Thank you. Well, it's his dad genetically. Ectobiologically. They're the same. Whatever. It's bro. It's bro's dead. Yeah. It's bro. It's dead. It's sad. That's all there is That's to say. That's pretty much that. all there is to yeah. say on the matter. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is this the only Dave and Terezi conversation that doesn't have drawings in it? No. No. That can't be true. That can't be true. That, that's wrong. That's definitely um, not correct. But it is a more right. serious conversation. So anyway, Dave is in mourning and Terezi's like, hey. And Dave's like, you said you'd leave me alone for a bit. And Terezi was like, right, that was two and a half hours ago. I want to talk with you now. Which, you know. Hmm. Hmm. Dave is like, oh, okay. You're going nonlinear on me. Yeah, Terezi interrupts after, like, Dave... In Dave's perspective, just, like, five seconds have passed. of just like, I think I want to be left alone for a little bit. And then Terezi immediately messages him again, but it's Terezi from two and a half hours later where she's like, ah, no, I need your help with the thing. And Dave is processing grief in a complex, difficult way. And Terezi is not really helping. Well, um... Hussey has a note here saying um, Terezi's having a hard time understanding what Dave is trying to communicate, which is that it's very possible to have nuanced and difficult to express feelings of sadness when complicated or abusive individuals become deceased. Some may wonder if you really hated this person and they caused you so much trauma, why not be glad they're gone? Not everyone will feel this way, though, and the reason probably has to do with the intricacies pertaining to the long-term psychological effects of abuse itself. Dave just masks with humor, some thoughts that which are clearly too difficult to describe and is probably uncertain of himself. Then he starts babbling about keeping his lips sealed unless he's presented with a crypto dick or something, which obviously isn't gay at all and means nothing about his sexuality. Super gay. Super gay, Dave. Um, which actually insightful comment from Andrew Hussey there. Yeah. Very surprising. Surprisingly so. 
That's why we couldn't have any more Homestuck books. They got too <laughs> nuanced. We got too close to sincerity. To get shut down. To no. shut the yeah, right. Fucking um, lock her down, boys. <laughs> that one got close to the home. Jesus Christ. Uh, Dave um, is like, all right, I got to break this sword. Uh, and um, <laughs> we do, in fact, Teresi's get... like, Teresi's just like, pull it out. And Dave's like, no, I got to make it a clean break. That way I won't draw any more blood. Right. Well, because he says, uh, let's see, pulling swords out of things isn't how I roll. I'm not John, remember? I'm not a hero. Yeah, My bro he's not was. A hero. John is. I'm not. Like, this is very explicitly the like, pulling the sword out represents the hero's call. And Dave will snap it off before he accepts that call. He's just a man. He's not a hero. He's just a boy. He wants to sing this song. <laughs> oh, no, that one. This is Black Parade, baby. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Anyways. Sorry. So we, we do, in fact, get an acrobatic fucking Wait. pirouette off the handle. Shit. Oh, what? Yeah. Yes? Are we to the point where I can send you the um, Homestuck cover of Black Parade? Oh, no. There's a Homestuck cover of Black oh, Parade? Oh, no. Yeah, there's a Broadway car cat Black Parade. It's very bad. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Of course there is. I'm terrified. Oh, Sam sent me a thing. Multiple people this morning actually sent me a thing. <laughs> that is, it's a, it's a picture of Gerard Way. From what era, I am not entirely sure. Child Gerard Way. Yeah, it, it's very, it's a very young looking Gerard Way. Um, and it says, I'm sorry if this is a bad thing to say, but why does Gerard Way look here like that one trans mask homestuck friend we all have who likes Carcat a little too much? <laughs> and I'll, 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 Bastion, I'll, I'll, I'll pop it in, in the Japery channel, but like, it's incredibly accurate. <laughs> And it, like, I, I definitely, I have known, I have been, like, I have fostered, like, I've met many, many people like this. <laughs> I never asked them their homestuck opinions, but the vibes are very prominent. Man, why am I just now thinking about, like, is there a reading of Dave as trans? And the answer is, yeah, probably. Yeah, is a complicated relationship with masculinity. Mm -hmm. I'm not the person to justify that reading, though. <laughs> but now I want it. I mean, I don't know specifically about trans necessarily. Sure. Not yeah. in the way no, that No, lots of people had... have a complicated relationship with masculinity, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, J Dave's, Dave's struggles very much seem to me more as a, like, as a gay coming out story more than a trans one, but... Sure. Yeah. You know. No, I, well, I'm specifically thinking of Dave as a trans guy. Oh, Okay. Um, which of course there is no support for in the text, and I think we should move on because I'm not. I mean, fuck it. I don't have stuff to think about it right now. Um, Dave's laying face down, his glasses are off. Teresi's like, "Get up!" and he's like, "No, go away. I don't want to do anything." Uh, and then Dave gets weirdly obsessed with justice uh, because the authority regulator is doing his exile thing inside the Beckhead station right before he has to blow it up. Uh, and then we get Terezi's closing statements. I, I do want to say Dave is a trans man. Does put a bit of a wrench into Carcat's shipping graph, but you know. Well, I mean, yeah, it was Carcat's shipping graph, though. It was always like, going to have a couple of wrenches thrown in there for sure. 
Anyway, yeah. yes. Do go on. And then Trezzy's like, ugh, stop complaining about yourself. I'm here because I have things to say. But it is interesting that it takes an exile popping into Dave's head for Dave to get like, yeah, I need to go get justice on, on Jack because that is absolutely not Dave at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and something, something grief does weird things to people. For sure. uh, but also there is a explanation because there's a person in Dave's head. Which you, you could read that as, I mean, I don't know if we specifically talked about like puberty and growing up with, you know, the people who help raise you and whatnot as being essentially voices in your head trying to guide you in various different... Maybe they're not even, like, trying to guide you, but, you know, you grow up with someone or or you have someone in your life, you tend to hear... not Maybe not literally hear their voice in your head, but, like, that... Mm. The, the way you are raised does come with a narrative that you then are inclined to follow. And I don't know if this is necessarily one of those things. Dave is not really a justice person. Dave is very much a fucking, I don't know even what kind of person, but it, there there is something interesting about the, the mechanism of the exiles as the voices in your head trying to help you, even if they're not doing a good job at it, but like, you know. Mm-hmm. The people in your yeah. life trying to guide you a certain way, whether or not you actually listen to them. Yeah. So then Terezi does her like closing statement monologue in the uh, prosecution of Riska uh, to Dave. She keeps shushing him. And it's funny because like there's the um, there's the bit where he's like, OK, I can't even make little interrogative quips to grease the wheels of your monologue. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's OK. In fact, it's very helpful. Who do you think? And he's like, Spider Troll. Mm-hmm. You um, are correct. The spideriest one of all. Uh, Trezzy, we see here, finds Nepeta's corpse, mm-hmm. which has some of Gamzee's violet blood around it and a broken eight ball and the uh, Nick Cage poster that Vriska has drawn her fangs and glasses on the person that Cage is kissing. Someone's framed it to make it look like Vriska killed Nepeta. Mm. Who could that be? And then the next mm. panel has a mutated chess monster that looks kind of like Goat Dad. These things are unconnected. And it has Terezi so small. Terezi is very tiny in the frame of this photo. Or um, pick drawing, whatever. You know what I mean. But yeah. Yeah, Goat Dad. But now he's ripped. He's shredded. <laughs> Fucking Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Terezi's having like second thoughts about killing Briska. Um where's what's what here's a hussy comment, sorry. Terezi sets forth her major moral and friendship-based ambivalence about killing Vriska for the greater good, which is a conundrum that most of the meteor action revolves around for the rest of the act and the fact their entire mutual arc are for the rest of the story to great extent. It's another one of those conversations that puts the focus on the fact that these are still just kids and all the overblown stuff about murder and violence stemming from their culture mostly amounts to a lot of big talk. 
But underneath that, they're just scared, insecure kids who have always been afraid they can't hack it in their aggressive society. Vriska had that long, indulgent conversation with John, which he mostly nodded along to, where she finally opened up to somebody about fears like this. So this is basically Terezi's parallel version of that conversation, except notice how instead of her conversational partner nodding along like a dweeb going, golly, Vriska, maybe it is okay you killed all those people. <laughs> Terezi has to spend most of her time trying to convince Dave to stop talking about himself long enough for her to share her feelings. Hmm. Um they, they end this conversation and Terezi goes to confront Vriska uh, after a detour. And uh, Dave goes to ask past Terezi about what going God tier means. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a conversation where it's very clear. Like we get Terezi's. Yeah. This conversation brings into focus sort of the contradiction between like Terezi's manipulating people into death and maiming themselves and also her strong conviction for justice mm-hmm. which sort of gets resolved as like Terezi being like well yeah when i'm manipulating people it doesn't hit me about as murder <laughs> but yeah it's it is really good though i definitely like their conversation more than i like the john and briska one because of the aforementioned reasons of like john just sort of be like yeah sure whatever yeah for sure mm-hmm. and dave here is He's pushing back a little bit more about the whole situation. He's like, wait, I thought you've already like killed. Haven't you killed people before? Like all this stuff. And 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 Dave has sort of a, a, a whole bit where he's like, I'd like to help you, but I don't even know what kind of like advice I should give you. Like it feels pretty. Uh, he says it feels pretty weird and inappropriate for me to be the one to tell you. Fuck yes. Go for it. She's got this huge murder with her name on it. Anyways. And it's cruising right at her town comeuppance boulevard. And he says, do you want me to tell you to be a better human or to be a better troll? Mm. Which I thought was kind of an interesting line. I, it's not. It's definitely not as profound as it may seem. But like, I do really like the way that they're like, it's, it's a messy kind of conversation where there is no perfect resolution. And they're being very real with each other about it. Of just like, I don't know. And Teresa's just like, I can't tell you what to advise me, chump ass. Maybe I'm not even looking for advice per se, but I just want to talk to somebody about it. And they they just have this very real, very lovely conversation. It ends with, yeah, Dave saying, why don't you just do what you think you have to do and I'll do the same. And... Oh, there's also a point here where Trezzy makes a comment about luck and Dave goes, does luck even matter? Which, like, yeah, that's that's the whole thing with Terezi. You said it out loud. Surprise. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit because I'm looking back over oh, sure. the John Vriska conversation, and I think John is pushing back at least yeah. as much as Dave in terms of, like, being like, that sounds like it sucks shit, and uh, <laughs> have you tried not killing people? Whereas Dave is like, fucking, <laughs> Fair enough. I thought you were all about the murder shit. Like, what's what's the big deal? Like, I can tell you what to do either way, but, like, it's on you to make mm-hmm. that decision. Whereas John's like, have you tried not killing people? Like, John is also, like, John and, like, very passive about it. But, like, yeah, it's in there pretty strongly for John. No, that's, that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bastion. Um, before we move on to our moment of silence for the Viz books, uh, <laughs> on the page where Terezi finds Nepeta's body, there is another password uh, progression. 
Oh, shit. Um, these things have been coming hard and fast, this axe. Uh, and then we, Terezi walks through a door. We get the end of year two. And then disc one of Homestuck gets ejected. And I will now read the final author's comment. This brings us to the end of book six, act five, act two, part two, year two, disc one, which has been released more than 10 years after Homestuck began. We sure had some fun together. Did I actually say anything useful? God, I hope so. Almost as much as I hope the next book can actually make it to the end of act five without stretching over to another fucking book. (laughs) If that happens, I don't even know what I'll do. I'll probably just print out all the remaining pages of Homestuck, lock myself in my room, and proceed to eat literally every single page until somebody calls the police. Once I realize no one is going to call the cops because nobody actually knows I'm doing this insane thing, I'll just end having to call the cops myself. What choice do I have? I need somebody to come over and help me eat all these goddamn pages. Drops the mic. It's actually my youth pastor's femur, which clatters loudly on the floor. Um, That's part of a running gag where Hussey mentions their youth pastor. Oh, okay. As, as the last in a sure. long line of people trying to restrain Hussey from saying the very stupid thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Eating all these goddamn Homestuck pages, pain in the ass though it be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead with what you were saying. No, that was great. It was a mushroom farmer thank joke. You, Always you. appreciate it. <laughs> no, thus ends the, the Viz books. With no, no follow-up in sight, yeah? No follow-up in sight. The last one came out just before the pandemic started, so we are now at... Uh, plus two years plus two and a half yeah yeah and with um the author's official link tree linking to the unofficial homestuck web archive as the best way to read homestuck i don't think more are coming which is too bad because one book would have gotten us through the end of this act (laughs) which would have been a good place to stop yeah Uh, and yeah how much we don't have that much Wortman left either, do we? No, Wortman only goes to the end of this act. What? We have to start coming up with our we'll own. We'll have to come up with our own original commentary. thoughts. Gross. Yeah. Nasty. I've been trying to. Yeah. I thought I had some good points about Gamzee. <laughs> I just keep talking about fucking Twin Peaks and Peter Pan, so, you know, yeah. what good am I? I mean, I don't know much about Twin Peaks or Peter Pan, so <laughs> you're pretty you're good. You're feeling a very um, important but, uh, yeah. void in this podcast. <laughs> Uh, knowledge base. Yeah, the one who can do a Columbo impression. <laughs> <laughs> um, but though this be where the books end, this is not where this episode ends, and we are already at ninety minutes of recording. Ooh, so let's keep trucking. Minutes. All right. We are doing daily ep- or weekly episodes. Who daily episodes? Oh, Never. I um, would kill you. I would kill both of you. <laughs> Um, so disc one of Homestuck ejects. We don't have disc two, so we can't t- command Terezi. We just have to see what she does. We get the page Terezi, uh, proceed and Terezi read note. These are alternia bound style animations. Um, and there's a note on the floor, which has been pinned in using Nepeta's claw. Uh, Terezi goes to pick it up and she falls into the secret sound test room only accessible in trickster mode and the alternia bound flashes. I guess it's an actual physical location on the meteor. Apparently. Um, the song here is secret ROM by Toby Fox and I appears to be unreleased. It references songs from the secret of mana earthbound final fantasy and chrono trigger. Good. Yeah. Wortman indicates that like, this is maybe 
a sign that like the narrative is breaking down without the second disc and like these mm. previously inaccessible places are becoming manifest within the main narrative yeah. maybe maybe this is just a weird meteor with the trapdoor yeah i think it's a weird meteor with a trapdoor partially also because gamzy's down here and he's uh so is little kyle in his felt suit uh and then gamzy's in here and gamzy's doing the like shadow movements that bro strider does uh, except gamzy's doing the once again the shopkeep dancer from the secret of mana down in this room we get another password page nice one day i'll understand what that means yes yeah. one day what happens down here terezi can't leave unless she's feeling sufficiently determined uh because there's a pile of horns clogging the stairway Which and the door is like is somewhat locked feels like i mean i don't obviously this came out first but undertale oh determination yeah that's the thing sure. that like feels yeah. you like you are filled with determination and so it, it it feels i don't know there's something there yeah sure yeah. i mean you know toby fox didn't really hold back when it came to referencing homestuck oh for sure also gamzy is like definitely messing with terezi in a creepy way down here yeah um so down here what's down here there are two chests and Terezi opens them, and she gets her red glare outfit, her uh, flarp outfit, and and another one is a white stuffed dragon. It's Pyro Sprite. Well, don't forget the friggin' record player. With, oh yeah, with... sorry. There's a song. There's there's, there's many a whole songs. bunch of songs here. The songs are labeled. Thankfully, uh, it's the F Troll Cops by Eric Jitskiel, which is on Alternia Bound and references uh, Under the Hat from One Year Older. Uh, there's Havoc to be Wrought by uh, Thomas Eidolon Orpheus Ferkel, also on Homestuck Volume 7. Also on Homestuck Volume 7, Rumble at the Rink by Toby Fox. And then there is uh, X-Rom by Toby Fox, which is unreleased, I think. There is an unlabeled record, which is the song Unlabeled by Jitskiel from uh, One Year Older. And then there's Eddie Morton's original, I'm a Member of the Midnight Crew. Uh, they're all very delightful like, noir-ish uh yeah sort of jazzy songs um with like the like record pops and scratches uh put on them which are all uh, mm -hmm. in the narrative as he's like yeah we need some like good uh crime investigation music mm -hmm. yeah setting the mood baby the mood for justice uh, and then homestuck disc two falls out of the uh sleeve for i'm a member of the midnight crew and we get After the very long this douchebag who's this douchebag that douchebag is eddie morton original singer of i'm a member of the midnight crew there's also like a picture so at the at the end of who's this douchebag at least in the browser there's like a image you can click on and it mm -hmm. is a picture of a record that I, I I don't know. It's it's a super out of focus image. All I can read on it is Victor Record, which I presume is just Hussy or someone actually has a record copy of. I'm a member of the Midnight Crew and took a photo for it. But it's, sure. it's, 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 it's yeah, that's the thing. Anyways, uh, this too falls out. I have I have written down here Gamzy is creepy with Lil Cal, which I believe is a reference to Gamzy holding Lil Cal like right behind Terezi in one of these panels. Yes. When when Terezi um, picks up the the 
sleeve to put the record away. Yeah. Little Cal is like tremoring in the corner, like just behind her shoulder. It's uh unsettling. It sure is. Terezi's like, oh, what's this tiny record? And puts Homestuck Disc 2 on the record player and then scratches it. This will have no consequences. The like cool it gets like a cool Z pattern on it, which Yeah. A record player would not do like, to a disc, but, but it's, sure, it's, it's like cool. Dave's scratched record. It's Dave's scratch record. Um Terezi puts on her flarp outfit and gets uh pyro spite and then reads the note, which is uh written in Gamzee's blood, and it's like hey sis meet up on the roof bring the puppet um, which is very reminiscent of uh yes. dave's letter from bro being like bro come to the roof we're doing it we're making it happen uh which we then we get a flash which is very close to that but before that we get one page of troll ancestor stuff in which we find out that mind fang was actually captured by neophyte red glare uh Therese's ancestor yeah, that's pretty much the most important thing. Yep. Uh, and then we get page 3744, Seer, Ascend. Um, this flashes a very close mirror to Dave Ascend to the top of the building, uh, but with some Troll Ancestor story added in. Uh, the song is Terezi Owns, which is uh, fr- by Toby Fox on Homestuck Volume 7, uh, references Upward Movement Dave Owns from Homestuck Volume 2. Um Terezi does the whole like acrobatic fucking pirouette, grabbing the puppet, mm-hmm. slamming out the door, walking up the steps. Yeah. Um, and as this happens, we see uh, the scene of Mindfang's fleet being completely destroyed by the dragon Lucis of uh, Neophyte Red Glare. Hell yeah, baby. Um, also, there's some cool glitch effects in this. Uh, flash this is where the glitches first start yeah because disc two is all fucked up and stuff yep reality's falling apart medium baby <laughs> i want to talk about glitches but not quite glitches yet get stitches yeah yeah then we find more troll ancestor stuff from Mindfang's journal um at Mindfang's trial she controlled the assembled crown crowd with her mind control powers to hang red glare on the noose which was meant for her mind fang then killed his honorable tyranny um oh uh when mind fang um was captured uh she got blinded in one eye got, and yeah. her arm cut off by looking into the Therese's eyes of the cue dragon ball. Some yeah. Sh- yeah so once- mirrors Riska's cue ball injury Mindfang then goes to visit Darklear, who is Equius's ancestor, um, who apparently defied the High Bloods for someone. Who could that be? Any guesses? I mean, this is Seradia. 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 Good guess. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> it is wrong, but it's a good oh, guess. Oh shit! Really? All right, interesting. <laughs> but um, it, my or Darklear is in a blind spot for uh, Doc yes, Scratch, this who is... comes back yep. um, as we get to the pages where Mindfang's like, "Yeah, okay, 
um, I could have gone back to the Oracle and used that, but as it turns out, it at, it bit me in the ass. And if I hadn't <laughs> known, yeah, I, I wouldn't have fucked up and gotten caught in the first place. Uh, mm. So right. I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to put the instructions on how yeah. to get it in my journal, but I'd recommend not fucking messing with it because it's bad news. Yeah. Which, like, um, I think it's Ortman who's like, we can see here a mind fang that is an adult Vriska in more than just uh, the sex and violence. Like, this is a more mature Vriska in some ways. Um, and the same with mm-hmm. like dark clear, like this is an adult version of Equius who actually was able to mature into somebody who could stand up to the high bloods mm-hmm. who actually made a decision. Yeah. We'll say, uh, if you enjoy the troll ancestor stuff, um, or if you have read, uh, the locked tomb series, um, Oh my the God. Serendipity Gospels is a uh, fanfic on AO3 written by Tamsin Muir, the author of Gideon the Ninth and Harrow the Ninth. Uh, and I just finished it good. today. It's quite good. Um, I'm, I'm partway through Gideon the Ninth and I really like it, but. Uh, well, if you are a big fan of. Um, Terezi and Gamzee, um, Serendipity Gospels. It's a good time. <laughs> okay. It's it's Terezi Spades Gamzee, right? Uh, yes. All right. Um, Mind Fang's thoughts turn to the summoner, who she finds out, or she found out previously, is her mate Sprit. As well as the person who's going to kill her. Yep, and Tavros's ancestor. He looks like Rufio. Sure does. Uh, and he's flying around with the dragon, so he seems to have some sort of beast command and power, he's got like Tavros does. Some crazy fucking fairy wings of his own, which has been sort of seen as a metaphor for adulthood with the trolls, right? Mm-hmm. And like a metaphor for like a mythic adulthood, like yeah, normal troll adults. Maybe not, but like, right, it's that godhood, god tier thing where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's this like evolutionary callback to winged trolls. Yeah. I think we've talked about that before. Uh, and if we haven't, there will be more opportunities for it. The myth of adulthood? Yeah, for trolls. For trolls. Uh, Mindfang ends her journal with a caution to Vriska specifically. Not by name, but like. It's there. And from there we get page 3760 S flip. And this flash is a glitch fest, baby. Oh yeah. Um, the song before we get anywhere is a glitched edit of blind justice investigation, uh, by Malcolm Brown from Alternia bound. It references the lemon snout turnabout by Toby Fox, which was from Alternia. Uh, it references Objection 2001 from Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney by uh, Masakazu Sugimori. Yeah. And it references uh, Spurban Jungle 
obviously with Terezi being like the, the lawyer, the legal yeah. babe who's about justice. But like um, every time we've got in this section, those like fake out alternative bound games with Terezi. Every time you mm-hmm. go to like send her somewhere, the big like objection comes up and it, yeah. and then it dissolves into glitches and gives you problems. Um, Toby Fox notes in music notes that i found on the homestuck wiki not sure what the source on those is but shout out to the homestuck music wiki for being so great uh toby fox notes that folks kept asking for a phoenix Wright cover of lemon snout turnabout and malcolm brown delivered this flash starts off uh terezi walks past like it's everything's glitching right it's alternia bound graphics Trezzy walks past four of the like chess guy tubes, which have the decapitated bodies of Tavros, Equius, Nepeta, and Eridan in them. Sure does. Oh, and Feferi. And as you walk past each of them, their like dead tag glitches into the page, and it's really good. Mm. I love the glitches so much. I think Homestuck does um, actual digital glitches very well mm-hmm. and it's, they're not something you very you see done very well very often well i think part of that is because of the medium of homestuck where you are right. technically playing a game like it, in in some things it's just like oh these are glitches because this is cool and it's visually stunning but like mm-hmm. with with this and with like oh you know we fucked up the disc of like all of this stuff like there's it's not just ooh a cool visual thing it's like this has weight to it this is a part of the narrative this is the function and the form so it's it's uh is it hits a little harder yeah yeah i think uh you know what the glitches in homestuck always remind me of is the um h bomber guy's scan line where he talks about um vhs tapes and horror and how the like Mm -hmm. artifacting of the vhs tape makes horror especially more effective because it's sort of the corruption of the medium like you get the things on the smaller screen with the less contrast and like it's harder to tell where things are like when you see alien on like the big screen like it's not as scary because everything is crisp and clear but on a vhs Mm -hmm. tape those artifacts on a crt yeah there and like homestuck does sort of the same thing where those glitches sort of serve to ramp up the horror and the suspense uh and right they act as a way to not show us things and let us remember or imagine uh what is happening well and i think it's interesting too because from from that hallway scene we go to terezi and friska's actual conversation and what happens is Terezi accuses Vriska of murdering all their friends. And Vriska's like, well, you know, there was only one murder I did. Actually, it was Tavros. Um, and Terezi does a like three uh, times three facepalm combo with help from Lil Cal. Terezi's like, man, you even killed Gamzee? And Vriska's like, Gamzee isn't dead. He's right over there. And we get a shot of like Gamzee and Scribble style with the Warhammer of Zillihu and the five decapitated heads of the dead trolls and sitting on a box, which says motherfucking jury. <laughs> yeah. Um, to like, you know, mock this courtroom scene. 
Well, yeah, and that's a harken back with the ancestor shit and all that jazz. Yeah. Well, and when Vriska says, Gamzee isn't dead, you dope, he, and then everything glitches out and we Super don't get bad. any more information there. Yeah. Which is very interesting for reasons I'll get to in a second. Uh, then we get the whole, like, Terezi and Vriska rehash their whole beef thing. And as they start talking about, like, their history, everything glitches out again. And the reason for that glitch is because we already know what their whole deal is. We don't need to see that again, right? Like, we're not losing anything there. Um, and Terezi basically says, all right, here's my deal. Well, I'm going to flip well, this coin. Oh, before we go get ahead. there, Terezi changes tack from you have murdered people to you're going to lead Jack to us and by proxy murder the rest of us. Yes. Because Briscoe's about to go off to fight Jack. And Terezi's like, all right, I got my cool coin, right? I'm going to flip it. Here's the deal. If it lands heads up, you stay. If it lands scratch up, then you go. And Briscoe's like, I mean, I've got all the luck. You're really going to leave this up to a coin flip? Which again, Wortman brings up, if leaving is what's going to lead jack back to the trolls is that which side here is the luck you flip right mm -hmm. and and for friska it's probably what she wants to do right terezi flips the coin and we get the cool silhouette art uh and as friska uses her luck powers to manipulate the flip everything glitches out and the flash ends yep it's supposed to be frustrating have you, have and you tried is. like mm -hmm. Breathing on the disc, like rubbing it on your shirt and then putting it back in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. The disc is too scratched. Like, like I think even if we do that, it doesn't work. The disc is too scratched. Mm. Um, you gotta take we need it to go into see someone who can like, yeah, fix it for you. Especially if you bought it there. Wonder, uh, they yeah, got, is there like, some sort of like gizmo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some sort of like scratch doctor we can go see who it's can fix the this disc, right? It's a machine, actually. Um, they're <laughs> wicked expensive, though. Yeah. Holy shit. We have them are. at the library. I'm telling you, man, the guys at Disc Traders will do it for like $10, maybe. Like, it, it, they'll do it for even cheaper if it's a movie you bought there. Disc Traders. <laughs> they're so helpful. They're very nice. The movie's disc just $3 traders. each. Yo, Disc Trader, sponsor us. Sponsor me, <laughs> Disc Trader. Sponsor the fucking Frankenfiles. That's where I got most of my DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the um, stack but... is so tall right now, you guys. It's only getting worse. Anyways, but yeah. The Frankenfiles pile keeps getting taller. The Frankenpile. <laughs> the Frankenpile doesn't stop getting taller. <laughs> Anyways. Can you take a nap in it yet, though? <laughs> yeah, can you take a nap in the... Um, not in the DVDs specifically, but in Frankenstein merch I own, yes. Yes, absolutely, I could. Troll <laughs> behavior. the podcast here, I think. <laughs> yeah. We can't record after 9.30, you guys, anymore. After this, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> 
Yeah, we've got social media. We're on anyway. Tumblr at Serious Business Pod. We're Shut up! Twitter. No, I want to talk other... about gamesy glitches. Well, I was gonna say the last the last page is it's all super glitchy, and you see the disc, and it kind of glitches over Riska's eyes, and it says, and the text on the page is all bad characters. Yeah, the disc is badly damaged. You can no longer play Homestuck. So that's the end of the that's podcast yeah. forever. Um, unfortunately, that's actually why they didn't make any more books. Exactly, like it's it's tragic, but you know, it's one of those great you know, unfinished it's a bold epics. Choice that, for an ending. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's 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 powerful that you know we're left to sort of figure out the ending for ourselves. It really speaks to the impermanence of digital. What media. are you talking about? The narrative hasn't exonerated Vriska yet. It can't end. <laughs> God damn it. Fucking Christ. But yeah, no, it's, it's interesting stuff. I like the glitches yes. at the end very, very much. So next time we go to see a scratch doctor. Um, Everyone's hey, Remember favorite. when we said Doc Scratch was an alternate narrator? Yeah. And as such as a villain. Um, but also, I do, I do think, like, it is very interesting that the other thing that gets glitched out is Gamzee. Mm-hmm. Because... If there is some sort of malevolent meta villain who like was manipulating the glitches to happen in a specific point, if Gamsey's really the most important character in Homestuck, it might be interesting to like hide some information about what he been doing and who he is. Sure would. If hypothetically, if you know, hypothetically, that was all. Maybe, if that possibly, was actually happening, you know, yeah. yeah. thing that were happening, right? Yeah. Someone <laughs> deliberately manipulating the narrative. To give us a specific frame of reference. Hey, let's go oh, visit wow. Doc Scratch. Good homestuck Minecraft server. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, next time we read pages thirty-seven sixty-three through thirty-eight seventy-four, that'll come out on October eleventh. Next time we get Doc Scratch's very long-winded, very self-indulgent narrative style, and uh, oh, fuck, Riska dies. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't really talk much about how John fucking died. Yeah, it's okay. He'll be back. We've already seen his first conversation with Carcat when he was fully alive and wearing his windy suit. So Yeah, I guess that just, you know, leans further into the way Homestuck treats death. But, yeah, the fact that that's something that's so blasé. I mean, it is kind of up in the air at this point. He was fighting Jack. It might be heroic, but... Boo! Boo! It's it's not a heroic death. He did nothing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. It was actually just death. John was secretly evil the whole time. I'm, I'm saying boo because it's up in the air, <laughs> like a coin. We're gonna blow that off. Anyway, right hey now. Sam. Yeah. Here's a here's a question I have. Here's a question. Which way which way do you think that coin landed? I don't think it matters. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that. Some of a trizzy coin I, flip not mattering. Not mattering. It's already <laughs> happened twice. We need that really? third time for the rule of threes. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh-huh. For real this time, we are on Tumblr at Serious Business Pod. On Twitter at Serious Bus Pod. Samario is on TikTok at Ghost in the Bathroom. Uh, leave the comment, Catboy approved, to let us know that you came from the pod. Uh, you can leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, or your favorite coffee pasta. We're not miffed either way. Uh, you can uh, check out the Franken Files uh, on YouTube at Uncanny Product, and possibly 
at Grand Rapids Comic Con. Yeah, I'm 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 very much looking forward to it. Um, so Frankenfiles is my uh Frankenstein project that I do at at the Uncanny Productions on YouTube. Uh, but we're hoping to do a presentation at Grand Rapids Comic Con. Uh, that it will it I don't know how much I want to say before I actually get a comfort. Although by the time you're hearing this, listeners, there's probably an answer. If you either go to my Twitter, which is Ghost NT Bathroom, or the Uncanny Productions Twitter, which is Uncanny Product on Twitter, you'll be able to see if we got approved for doing a presentation. Um, if not, then I have made a very large spreadsheet for no reason, and I'll probably tweet about that for my own gratification. <laughs> But yeah, Grand Rapids Comic Con, it's this November. It's really going to be fun. I'll be there either way. Uh, just, you know, just means you'll either get to see me in a performance hall or uh, in the back alley telling you about my cool spreadsheet I made. Hey, kids, <laughs> you want to buy some Frankenstein DVDs? I got a real good deal from Dick Trader <laughs> on them. <laughs> want to learn about the historical trends of films sorry what october 11th happy national coming out day no no this is october 4th next episode national coming out happy national coming out day next week you have one week to get your act together (laughs) really really guys we have to do the national coming out day episode in doc scratch's like <laughs> apartment because <laughs> oh, he is absolutely on this not podcast an we support gay rights and gay wrongs doc scratch is absolutely like het man though like mm-hmm. sure i don't know whatever man <clears throat> actually sam he has a on. he's a creepy uncle with an affinity for sam, girls can you take your headphones off for just like a second Oh god damn it! All right. I have to make a better oh, joke. Oh, not me. Great. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, is Doc Scratch is Doc Scratch straight though? Like, fellas, is it gay to have another man inside you? <laughs> All right. All right, Just I'm had back. to make a very bad joke. All right. Okay. It was real bad. I will be cutting it and probably not including it ever. <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Should I put the Nick Cage boner over myself when I say Riska dies, or are we just going to leave that be? Mm. That's up to you. That's your choice. You're the editor, right. baby. I'm just going to leave it and not give a Flip shit. Flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, right. I got to end it. Listener, hit next. <laughs>